Support comes from the Norton Simon Museum, presenting the film series Testigo Witness, Goya in the Movies. Held on select Fridays in May, each film touches upon artist Francisco de Goya's visions of the world, kicking off with Pan's Labyrinth by Guillermo del Toro on May 10th at NortonSimon.org. You have the chance to win a Spring Super Sweeps from Alleist. Donate $60 for one entry to win a brand new Lexus or $25,000 in cash. Check out all the other prizes, too, when you donate now at laist.com slash sweeps. Welcome to Air Talks TV Talk from LAist 89.3. I'm Larry Mantle. Every Thursday, I'm joined on Air Talk by professional TV critics to review and discuss the newest cable TV, broadcast, and streaming series. With so much content available, we know it's hard to pick something to watch, and we're here to help. All right, let's meet this week's critics. And our critics this week are Jen Cheney of Vulture and Kristen Baldwin of Entertainment Weekly. Kristen and Jen, so good to have you with us. But let me ask our listeners if you have a favorite series of 2023, one that maybe you discovered for the first time or is brand new, I'd love to hear your pick at 866-893-5722, or you can email us at atcomments at las.com. Let's start off with Peacock's Dr. Death debuting its second season on the streaming service. It stars Edgar Ramirez and Mandy Moore. Kristen, what do you think of this second season of Dr. Death? Well, I really loved the first season, so I had high hopes. And uh, this season stars Edgar Ramirez as Dr. Paolo Maccarini, who was an, is an Italian physician who was hailed as a pioneer in regenerative medicine until his patients started dying and his fraudulent research was exposed. And this season traces his misadventures through two timelines. In 2012, he arrives at the famed Karolinska Institute in Stockholm and begins transplanting what he calls, quote, biosynthetic tracheas into his patients. And most of the doctors at Karolinska are dazzled. But there's one played by Luke Kirby, a skeptical American expat. Uh, He worries that the science isn't sound. And meanwhile, the second timeline is in New York City in 2013, as NBC News producer Benita Alexander, who is played by Mandy Moore, starts working on a TV special about regenerative regenerative medicine, and she meets Dr. Macchiarini for a story, and when they meet, forbidden sparks fly. (laughs) And after a whirlwind romance, uh, Paolo and Benita get engaged, and one of the many whoppers of a lie that he tells her is that Pope Francis will officiate their wedding. So... On its face, Dr. Death kind of leads with this, this season leads with a show, uh, with the love con, the sort of, you know, who is this man lying to her, but their romance, Paolo and Benita's romance is so broadly sketched and flatly written that we never really understand how an accomplished journalist could fall for such a fabulist. And uh, it doesn't help that Mandy Moore is just miscast. She's a likable actress, but the real Benita Alexander, who can currently be seen telling her side of the story in Netflix's Bad Surgeon documentary, she's blunt and a little brassy, and she's kind of got this no BS edge of a New Yorker, um, but more you know, it's just so nice. And she kind of looks out of place in New York City. And when she says the F word, it just sounds weird on her lips. Um, so it's just a shame because 
the actual medical true crime horror that is at the heart of this story is really compelling and nightmarish. You know, it's got desperate people who are yeah. in need of a miracle and a charismatic charlatan who who makes it easy for these patients to believe. Um, and when the season focuses on the medical aspects and his, the doctor's obscene violation of his patient's trust, it's, it's uh, very captivating. But the other half just doesn't work. We're talking about Dr. Death, its second season premiering on Peacock and all eight episodes available starting today. Patrick McManus created this series based on the true crime podcast of the same name, Dr. Death, streaming on Peacock. It's rated TVMA. Well, Dr. Death, inspired by a podcast, Fargo, the series, of course, inspired by the 1996 Coen Brothers film, uh, Fargo Season 5 is on FX Network. The following day, each episode streams on Hulu. Juno Temple, John Hamm, Jennifer Jason Lee are just a few of the actors involved in, in the series. This is an anthology series taking place in and around Minnesota. Jen, what do you think of this fifth season of Fargo? This is such an excellent season of Fargo that, uh, you know, it, it runs into January. That's when it will conclude. And so I had not seen the whole thing when I wrote my list of top 10 TV shows of the year. If I had, there's a really good chance it would have been on the list. Uh, that's how strong I think it is this season. You know, you mentioned those three principal actors, Juno Temple, John Hamm, and Jennifer Jason Lee. They're playing the kind of main figures in this. Uh, Juno's Temple, Juno Temple's character, Dorothy, is a woman in a very seemingly happy marriage, has a child, but there's some kind of hidden past that she, that you don't know about uh, right away, and she's got men coming to chase her down, and you're not sure what it's all about. Uh, and then you've got John Hamm, who's playing this very aggressive, misogynist cowboy figure. It's, I would say, the darkest role I've seen John Hamm play, and he's terrific. And then Jennifer Jason Lee, who plays the mother-in-law of Juno Temple and is a very, very wealthy uh, woman, also very conservative but in a very different way from Ham's character. And the episode that airs the day after Christmas, which is the seventh episode, it is a, it is a string, begins a string of episodes that are just one heart attack after another. I was just like clutching my chest <laughs> the whole time I'm watching these episodes. But I mean that in the best way possible. It's really suspenseful, well-acted, and just compelling right up to the very end. All right. We're talking about Fargo. Its fifth season is out now. Six episodes can currently be seen on Hulu. Episode 7 releases next Tuesday on FX with Hulu the following day. Season 5 has a total of 10 episodes. It's rated TVMA. Murder in Boston Roots Rampage and Reckoning is a crime documentary miniseries directed by Jason Hare. Uh, it's created in association with the Boston Globe. Kristen, what do you think of this miniseries doc? Uh, I found this really fascinating. Anyone who was on the East Coast uh, at this time, this was in 1989, remembers the case Chuck Stewart. Uh, called 911 one night saying that he and his pregnant wife, Carol, had been shot in their car and left for dead on a deserted street in Boston. We know now that Chuck killed Carol, but at the time he claimed, you know, a black man in a tracksuit had robbed them and shot them. 
And the police, rather than drilling down on this vague story, the Boston Police Department just launched an, an aggressive manhunt in the city's predominantly Black neighborhoods of Mission Hill and Roxbury, terrorizing these communities and exacerbating Boston's roiling racial tensions. Um, so this is a three-episode series that really kind of focuses on how uh, on the people who were traumatized by the police's decision to, you know, raid neighborhoods first and ask questions later, and uh, includes uh, a history of Boston's, you know, turbulent race relations, and specifically beginning with the 1974 school de desegregation ruling that created riots and was, you know, left scars on that city. And the documentary also features really heartrending interviews with Joey Bennett, who at 17 years old was coerced by the Boston PD into implicating his uncle Willie in the murder murder of Carol Stewart and her baby. So it it's a really, you know, it's a difficult watch, but it's really fascinating. And it does make clear that the damage done by this case you know, still resonates and endures decades later. We're talking about the Max streaming miniseries documentary Murder in Boston, Roots, Rampage, and Reckoning. It's rated TVMA. All three episodes in the self-contained miniseries are out now. The Crown in its sixth and final season on Netflix. The final episode is out. All ten episodes of the sixth and final season are available to stream on Netflix. Elizabeth Debicki and Imelda Staunton star in the series from Peter Morgan. Jen, what do you think of the final season and the ultimate episode? Yeah, I feel like The Crown really lost a step in this last season. You know, I think it's it's challenging, I think, to tell the story behind much more recent history because it is so well known uh, and, and still feels like so much of the present for a lot of people. Uh, and I think it stumbled with the first part of the episodes with um, that really focus on Princess Diana's death. And then the second batch of the, the final episodes, which just landed uh, a week ago or so, is really focused on the aftermath of her death, uh, you know, there's a couple of episodes that are very focused on Prince William and then uh, sort of the queen kind of planning for her death, which is really what the last episode uh, focuses on. And I don't think I'm spoiling anything. I think everyone knows Queen Elizabeth did eventually pass away. Uh, but, you know, it, it feels like, especially with the scenes with William and Harry, the dialogue really suffers. It feels like Peter Morgan uh, and his fellow writers don't quite know how to write uh, for, for them. They have a much deeper and better understanding of the queen herself. Uh, I think the best episode is one that is very focused on the queen and on Princess Margaret as she uh, nears death. Uh, that's the best episode. And I think certainly the performances from Imelda Staunton and Leslie Manville, uh, who plays Margaret, they're excellent uh, throughout, uh, but not as good as some of those earlier seasons were. All right. Even despite all the great acting talent that's a part of it, The Crown, its sixth and final season on Netflix, all 10 episodes are now streaming. We continue on our TV Talk Thursday with our critics Kristen Baldwin of Entertainment Weekly and Jen Cheney of Vulture. But again, I'd like to hear from you in the final minutes of our TV Talk today 
what you thought was the best television you saw in 2023, whether it's a, a new series or whether it's something that you just connected with that you'd never seen before that's been out for a while, but this was the year for you to catch up with it. Uh, next uh, up on uh, on uh, our critics list is Big Brother Reindeer Games, in which nine Big Brother house guests have received an invitation to compete in a brand new game with holiday themes themed competitions. Uh, and uh, this rated TVPG, it's on CBS Network, streaming on Paramount+. Plus. Kristen, what do you think of Big Brother Reindeer Games? Well, I'm a Big Brother addict. You know, all summer I'm glued to the TV. It's like my sports. And so this holiday-themed miniseries was really the equivalent of a Christmas miracle for me. Um, so they take nine fan-favorite Big Brother players, like season 24 winner Taylor Hale, season 14's Brittany Godwin, and season 16's Frankie Grandy, and they compete against each other in these very silly games for $100,000. Unlike the regular show, it's only six episodes long, nobody lives in the house, and the Chenbot, aka Julie Chen Moonvest, the host, is nowhere to be found. But it's an accelerated sort of you know, sugar rush of what we like from Big Brother, <laughs> shifting alliances, sudden betrayals, ridiculous challenges, including things called the Candy Cane Rodeo and the Ugly Christmas Sweater Puzzle Challenge. Um, you know, it's the contestants are all veterans, so they know exactly what to do. They they we get to skip all the boring get to know you stuff from a typical Big Brother season. They just jump straight into strategizing, scheming, backstabbing. Um, tonight is the finale, and I'm really rooting for Brittany Godwin, who is a walking meme generator. I love her so much, so I hope she takes home the win. Sounds like fun. Big Brother Reindeer Games on CBS Network, streaming on Paramount+. Plus. And as Kristen just said, the finale airs live tonight. It's live tonight, 5 o'clock Pacific time, so even prior to prime time. And uh, then we've got Christmas, uh, Christmas TV special, one that is beloved by many of us from 1966 that Chuck Jones directed a Grinch voiced by Boris Karloff starring How the Grinch Stole Christmas. Jen, uh, so many of us just just love this and even as adults try not to miss it. Absolutely. I mean, certainly you can stream How the Grinch Stole Christmas anytime you want to on Peacock. Uh, there are other platforms that have it as well. But uh, I, I love the idea of just watching it at a set time on TV the way I did when I was a kid. And it's airing on, uh, I believe it's TNT uh, this Friday night. And uh, it's just it's just such a delight to me. I know there have been other versions of The Grinch, the Jim Carrey one. There was an animated movie version made not too long ago. But yeah. to, for me, The Grinch is that original Chuck Jones cartoon and, and nothing else can compare. Yeah, it's got a wonderful score. It's just, yeah, it it's so outstanding. You know, it's funny with all the holiday-themed programs, some of which have been quite good in intervening years, but we go back to the mid-60s for a Charlie Brown Christmas and How the Grinch Stole Christmas, and it's very difficult to beat uh, that combination. Uh, Jen uh, telling us about it again. It is available whenever you want to watch on, on Peacock, on NBC, Christmas Day, 5 p.m. Pacific time. We'll continue with Jen Cheney, TV critic for Vulture, and Kristen Baldwin, TV critic for Entertainment Weekly. I'm going to ask them, 
what the best thing is they saw this year, 2023. I know it's hard to pick one because there's so much great television that's out there, but I want to hear from you. What was the highlight for you in TV viewing, the thing that just has left you thinking about it as it washed over you sometime throughout the course of this year? 866-893-5722. That's 866-893-5722. Or you can email us at atcomments at las.com. Please include your location and first name. We'll be back in a minute. This is TV Talk from LAS 89.3. We'll be right back after this. Support for LAS comes from Will Gear Theatricum Botanicum, returning with a season of outdoor summer repertory theater on its scenic stage in the woods of Topanga with picnicking in the gardens before the show. A Midsummer Night's Dream is back along with The Winter's Tale, Wendy's Peter Pan, and Tartuffe Born Again set at a TV station in Baton Rouge. And for a contentious election year, Bernardo Cubrias, the Hispanic, Latino, Latina, Latinx, Latin vote. Tickets at theatricum.com. Support for LAS comes from Latino Theater Company at the Los Angeles Theater Center, presenting the world premiere of Ghost Waltz by Oliver Mayer, a bold original recovery of Juventino Rosas, one of Mexico's most significant composers. Follow Rosas from his father's early death to his friendship with ragtime genius Scott Joplin, now on stage through June 2nd. Tickets and information at latinotheaterco.org. Hi, this is Larry Mantle, and you're listening to Air Talks TV Talk, a weekly review of the newest cable TV, broadcast, television, and streaming series. Let's get back to reviews. It's TV Talk Thursday. I'm Larry Mantle. So pleased to be joined by critics Kristen Baldwin of Entertainment Weekly and Jen Cheney of Vulture. It's a chance to hear from you, your favorite television series of 2023. But let me ask our critics, and I know this is so, so hard to do. It's hard enough, I'm sure, for them to put together a 10 best list for the year, which is a staple of of doing criticism. But to pick one that's head and shoulders, Jen Cheney of Vulture, you have to pick one series. What would it be? Well, I had to because my list was ranked. Oh, it is? uh, Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So I had to pick my number one. And, you know, I debated it with myself for a while, and I thought, my initial instinct was it's succession. And then I thought, well, that's just so unsurprising, you know, but then I was like, but I'm lying to myself if I say anything else, because that show was, you know, I, I was probably most obsessed with that show more than anything else I watched. I rewatched the episodes repeatedly. Uh, it's just working on so many levels and the dialogue is so well-written. It's so well-acted. It's just, and I just thought it finished incredibly strong. Uh, in its final season. So that was it for yeah. me. And well, then I should ask you as a follow-up, because you had some qualms given that so many people saw Succession and knew about it. Is there a particular under-the-radar, lesser-seen gem, the the one that maybe you most wish people would take your advice on and see, but who maybe haven't heard heard about it? Well, I'll, I'll point to the number three show on my list, which doesn't feel like... Uh, something that's undiscovered, but every time I mention it to people, they say they haven't watched it yet. And that's Reservation Dogs, uh, which is an FX program, but it's uh, streaming on Hulu and uh, tells the story of young people as well as old people, especially in its last season, which which just ended uh, on a reservation in Oklahoma. And it's just so imaginative and clever and funny, but also really, really moving. 
And uh, I, I feel like not enough people have seen that yet. So it's if you haven't watched series. it, I highly recommend it. Yeah, I join you in that recommendation. All right, so we heard Jen Cheney's recommendations, Kristen Baldwin of Entertainment Weekly, your top series of 2023. I mean, I had the same debate and I went with succession for many of the same reasons. So, you know, but if you want to hear about an under the radar gem from my list, yes to reservation dogs, but also anybody who has Paramount Plus, is there anyone out there who has Paramount Plus, please go watch Bargain, which is a Korean uh, survival thriller. Uh, It's incredibly funny, even though it's about people being trapped in an earthquake after being trapped in an organ harvesting ring. So that's a a laugh a minute comedy. Okay. (laughs) I'll take your word. Yeah. It's just so, uh, it's really, it's shot as one continuous shot or to look as one continuous shot. And it's just, you know, incredibly propulsive and funny. And there's all the characters are terrible people and they're unrepentantly terrible, yet you root for them to get out anyway. I just really loved it. We have um, Dana in South Pasadena who emailed New Amsterdam and Suits, such great characters with a focus on helping others. Plus, these shows were suspenseful and entertainment. Elise in Boyle Heights emailed the show Girlfriends, which aired back in the early aughts, featuring Tracy Ellis Ross, one of the best shows around. Unfortunately, never got the recognition it deserved. It's now on Netflix. I've been watching again and again. What a gem. I hope Netflix doesn't remove it and the Miss Ross gets recognition for her amazing work on this show. That's Elise in Boyle Heights. Cliff in Carson City, Nevada, emailed Jury Duty on Amazon Amazon Prize, a prime unforgettable. The writing and acting is amazing. Jury Duty was absolutely uh, hilarious. Uh, Jay Spencer in Pasadena emailed 2023, a great year in TV. Some of the standouts, final season of Ted Lasso, first seasons of Shrinking, and The Last of us reservation dogs final season both beautiful as well as illuminating in its depictions of historical injustices to native american communities and the best episode of television had to have been the feast of the seven fishes the christmas episode of the bear centering around a family dinner where an argument quickly escalates from inane to epic in the time of a great episode that i'm sure families can relate to great stuff that feast of the seven fishes that's tough to beat for an episode of tv Matt D'Angelo and Tony, our senior producer, nodding his head. It was jaw-dropping, that episode of television. People who followed the bear this season know exactly uh, what Jay Spencer is talking about. And we have uh, Nigelko of Los Feliz who said, nothing brought me more laughs and joy this year than Poker Face on Peacock, starring Natasha Leone. The show offered us a captivating lead and a weekly puzzle to solve that at once thrilling and moving each episode. And funny, I, I love Poker Face. I'm absolutely with you, Nigelko. And hopefully it made some critics' top 10 lists. Did it make either of your lists, uh, Jan or Kristen? It wasn't in my top not. ten. No? Uh, it okay. was. It was. It was close, but it wasn't. It wasn't quite there. The bear was in there, though, for yeah. sure. Oh, the yeah. bear! What? A, and uh, I would argue that Forks is a better episode than. Uh, okay. Feast of the Fishes, though I did. I mean, that's enjoy. how good that show is. It's how good. Yeah, <laughs> that's like you're 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 splitting hairs on what you know was the greatest form of art in tremendous yes, artistry. Exactly. Thank you both so much for being with us this week. I appreciate it. Frequent TV critics joining us on our TV talk segment, Jen. 
Ben Cheney of Vulture, Kristen Baldwin of Entertainment Weekly, Clay and Glendale says, um, Antiques Roadshow on PBS, Charming TV, I find it super soothing, and Sarah in West Hollywood says, we're watching Mad Men the second time around, which is my partner's first time. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Air Talks TV Talk from LAS 89.3. If you like what you heard, please subscribe wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. Thank you for listening, and we'll see you next time. The LAS Spring Super Sweeps is happening now. You can win amazing prizes while supporting your source for local fact-based journalism. One lucky grand prize winner will get to choose a brand new Lexus or $25,000 in cash. Other prizes include an electric bike from Juice Bikes and $1,000 gas gift cards. Your donation of $60 gets you one entry to win. And the more you give, the more entries you get. Donate now at LAS.com sweeps.